All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I'm Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downey, and we're here to give you a quick roundup of the last couple weeks in sports. Johnny, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, happy gambling New Year. How's it been? You know, I haven't really a been weekend. gambling much. Mm-hmm. Um. Just because I'm rusty and nervous to lose money on... Well, you don't want to d- dive all in at once. you got to yeah. test the waters. But I did bet on the Titans. You did bet on... Yeah, yeah, a little... Uh, I know. They, you ruined the mojo, John. I know. What was I thinking? <laughs> no, I just had a feeling. And, and plus, the Titans were plus five. So the Patriots could still win. They just couldn't win by six or more. <laughs> so... And, you know, even watching the game, you just knew it was going to be close. So. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that later. But, yeah, I guess we'll get right into our number 46s here. And I'll go first. Another tough number, man. Yeah, 46 sucks. (laughs) Uh, With all due respect to David Krejci, uh, the Czech professional hockey player, and the uh, one of the alternate captains for the Boston Bruins, their second-line center. Uh, he was part of the Bruins' Stanley Cup win in 2011 uh, and led the NHL in points during the 2011 and 2013 Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, he's been named to the Czech national team in the 2010 and 2014 Olympic teams, Drafted 63rd overall uh, in 2004 in the third round. Johnny will remember uh, his hat trick in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals back in 2011. Being the only player since Cam Neely two decades uh, before to have a playoff hat trick for the Bruins. One of those guys that uh, he's always looking for a line partner. He seems like he gets the, the short end of the stick. Yeah, absolutely. You saw last year when he got to play with Marcus Johansson. If he gets a speed guy next to him, he seems to produce really well at a much higher clip. And when he doesn't have that, when he has less skilled guys, I mean, it all makes sense, you know, with the line pairings. You know, the more skilled guys, the better they do, and vice versa. So when, you know, when he's left to man a line with less skilled guys, they're kind of left wanting more from that line. However... Over the years, Krejci has kind of been a barometer for the Bruins' playoff success. You know, as as not so much last year, but in year, prior years, as Krejci goes, so go the Bruins in the in the playoffs. If he has a good game, then that usually means that they're going to win, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So he's a good uh, good barometer for the Bruins' playoffs over the years. In 850 games played, he has 194 goals, 449 assists, for 643 points. And, and one of the core pieces of that team, you know, I think, um, or they just give him six years in the last uh, contract he had. Seven million uh, a year. Yeah. So so not bad for, for you know, what he is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, hopefully for them or and for him, they'll be able to find him, uh, you know, just a, a nice line mate to rely on and you know, carry him into the end of that contract. Not one of my guys, so I, I don't know him super well, but um, that'll be my 46. Okay. 
Uh, my number 46 is going to be the famous or infamous Craig Kimbrell. So I think that a lot of people know Craig Kimbrell from the many heart attacks that he's caused in playoffs over the years <laughs> for teams such as the Atlanta Braves to most recently the Cubs, but especially if you're a Boston fan or live in the Boston area, the Red Sox in the 2018 season. He was just at a heart attack on the mound every single time he got on the mound, and it was just tough to watch. But aside from the playoff struggles, he is, aside from Mariano Rivera, probably the, the best relief, best closer in the history of baseball. Um, at this point, he is pretty much a lock to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Craig Kimball was born May 28, 1988. Six feet, 210 pounds. He is a seven-time All-Star, two-time reliever of the year, 2018 World Series champion with the Red Sox, even though they didn't use him to close out Game 5. They used Chris Sale. Uh, he was born in Huntsville, Alabama. He has a career win-loss record of 31-23, and 23, but the ERA for his career is only 2.08, and he has 898 strikeouts but 346 saves. Spent the first five years of his career with the Atlanta Braves, then spent one season with the Padres, and then 2016-2018 to 2018 with the Red Sox, and then currently he's with the Cubs. And I think that they're regretting that as he blew some games most, re most, most recently in the 2019 season for the Cubs that really hurt their chances of making the playoffs. Uh, he is a seven-time All-Star. He was the Rookie of the Year in 2011 and four-time NL Saves Leader. And he was the fastest pitcher to reach 300 saves. Uh, that's it. Craig Kimbrell. Hey, you got a Bruins goal here going. All right. Go bees. Who's that? Pasta. Yeah. Man, he just continues to light it up, huh? Well, it's been a little bit of a slump, but yeah, goal number thirty-two. Let's get right into NFL. Um, we haven't been around for the uh, last couple weeks, so we missed uh, the end of week seventeen. Pretty much fell just like everybody uh, thought it would. Picks wise, uh, we had a terrible day on the contested picks. So congratulations, Johnny. Uh, you wound up winning the uh, contest, forty-four to forty-one. Speaking also, of the contest, like, does nobody pay their bets? Like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm not doing picks next year. I'm done doing picks. People don't pay. It's on. I've gotten like one person to pay me. It's like you get completely ignored, and for twenty-five dollars, like, come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, t I told you I got you. So I got you. No, you're not the you. one I worry about. It's you know, last year. One of our guys didn't pay me, never paid me, and then now this year, this. So I think I'm just done with the picks page. Okay. Wow, that's a downer. Well, I mean, what's the point? <laughs> Tell me what's the point. What are we playing for? Nothing. We're playing for nothing. Uh, well, in in the case of our contested picks, and, we were literally playing for nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we well, and the other thing is, so, like, if some people do pay, I mean, that's got to piss them off, and, you know, I know if I lost, I would pay. Right. But, you know, right. people who do pay, doesn't that piss you off when other people don't pay? You know, that doesn't seem fair, right? I don't know. Yeah, I well, I, you know, I think it's one of those things, you don't pay, you don't get in the next year. Yeah. It becomes exclusive. Okay. But uh, you know, I've I've made my yearly donation to your wallet, so uh... appreciate it. <laughs> you were close this year, though. You oh were man, close. 
We had to we had to three, tight, tight until the end. Three weeks back, and I am one point ahead. And you just have a pull out with a monstrous week. Yeah. And uh, go 13 for 16. I thought the I did think that we were we were really close on week 17, and I thought that last the week 17 Seattle San Fran game was going to mean something, but I turned out I was a couple ahead. Yeah. So week 17, I felt like uh, I was four back, and I just needed to make some picks, you know, that, um, what do they, what do they call that? Um, some upset picks of underdogs or, um, no, there's contrarian. Oh, can't go the contrarian route. Yeah. Yeah. To try to pick up some, to try to pick up. Yeah. Try and, you know, just hope for a little magic. So at that point, it's like I, I pulled my goalie, you know? Yeah. No, I understand too, because I was, even that day, I remember talking to my wife, Christina and saying to her, what should I do? Should I just take all favorites and hope that I go eight and eight? You know what I mean? Hope, hopefully if I take all favorites, then maybe half of them cover and half of them don't. I go eight and eight and that forces you to go 11 and five to, to tie me. Right. But then I was like, but what if it's an underdog week? What if? What a you know it, it it doesn't always work where you it goes eight and eight it goes eight, you know right eight and eight favorites and underdogs it doesn't it could have all the fav two like say only two of the favorites could have won and fourteen of the underdogs came in and then I w- really would have been screwed so I just went with the straight picking the way I normally would and it, it paid off but yeah that the la- it's fun going into the last week right it, it is right and we, you know we were we were still kind of in it. Um. What are you going to do? Just to put a bow, I, I, I sort of gave this eulogy, um, you know, in our Christmas show before this game even happened. But, you know, Duck, Duck Hodges clearly didn't have what it was going to take to be a successor physically or talent-wise. So, um, <clears throat> and I think we all knew that. And, and you know, the... the um, Jerry's still out on Mason Rudolph. We'll give him another year. Still a young kid. He has the no, the, no, no. I the physical gifts. No, he is physical, but he's he's the same player he was as a freshman in college. He, I swear he doesn't God, want it enough. You, he doesn't work hard enough. Right. So maybe and I think Tomlin's basically that, said almost as much to confirm that. I think so. I just hope you. I just think that as a Steelers fan, you're hoping that. Ben comes back. Well, of course, yeah, absolutely. Ben's Ben's going to come back healthy, and I and I like where our defense left off. Um, absolutely, it's it is very very clear that they need to bring in a competent backup quarterback. Um, should anything go wrong, because they have a team that can win some games with a guy who knows how to manage the game, and you know a guy. Man, I wish we could have just had like a Charlie Batch in perpetuity. That guy was. Just the perfect backup quarterback. Don't mis- make mistakes, yeah. too, you know? Yeah, so looking forward to next year. We kind of wound up in the middle as far as what we're going to be uh, picking, but I'm glad we didn't overachieve so that we can uh, still have a halfway decent pick in the next draft. And uh, Maybe you know. two is on the table. Have you heard any rumors about that? No. Because they're kind of – I mean, they're talking he did about declare. it here – for right. the Patriots now have pick 23 in next year's draft. And I think that a lot of people around here are hoping that maybe he drops to 23. 
So, but I know you no guys way, are... No way Tua is going to fall that far. Yeah, I mean, you don't, but you don't know, though, because you're, the combine is going to tell all for him when they do the medical, you know, the prodding and the, and the poking and the prodding and the, the lineup and see how, how injured he really is, what the hip looks like when they do images and stuff like that. So if it's worse than thought, then it, he'll, 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 he'll drop like a stone. Mm-hmm. But if it's not that bad, then you would assume that maybe a top 10, top 15. Right. So, but have you heard any rumors about the Steelers looking at Tua? I have not. I have not. I think they should. Have you? Especially with Lamar Jackson in your division. <clears throat> Having a dynamic quarterback like Tua might mm-hmm. might be the something to match him. Yeah. All right, John, I know you don't want to talk about it, but uh, a couple words on Fitzpatrick's invasion of Foxborough. Well, that was kind of the beginning of the end for the Patriots season Mm -hmm. because they needed to win that game to get the number two seed in the AFC and qualify for the bye for the 10th season in a row and put them one game from the AFC Championship, two games from the Super Bowl, uh, hosting Kansas City in the second round is what the matchup looked like it was going to be. And then they go into Week 17. They say, we're treating this as a playoff game as well they should have. But when it came down to game time, the team did not just didn't look like they, they... They treated it, the fans, first of all, and the team treated it more like it was a preseason game, a giveaway ticket type game, mm-hmm. you know, to your friends. Say, you know, people, your friends have season tickets and they don't want to go to a game, the preseason games that you have to go because it's included in the package. That's, that's the giveaway game, you know, the giveaway ticket game. And the players treated it the same fucking way. And they played like shit. And as good as Brady looked a week before on Saturday night against Buffalo in week 16, he looked just as bad in week 17 against Miami and the it was the entire team they looked like dogs and Miami came in there and they came in with a mission and a purpose and when you know my when the Patriots went ahead late in the game multiple times the Patriots defense the you know the defense that was coined one of the greatest defenses of the last 20 years was tasked with stopping the Dolphins and Fitzmagic from passing the ball and they couldn't. They couldn't do it, and the Patriots end up losing 27-24 to 24 to the Dolphins in a heartbreaker uh, with seconds to go on a touchdown to Mike Jacecki. The Dolphins drive, drive 80 yards down the field, and it cost the Patriots basically everything. So that loss right there made the Patriots have to play wild card weekend, and we all know at this point what happened. They lost to the Titans. Um, they probably so you know looking at the team they probably would have lost the following week against Kansas City anyway but who's to say that extra week of rest doesn't help out the older guys like Brady Edelman you know McCordy Chung Hightower and all the older guys on the team that could have used an extra week of rest and they didn't get it this year so that Miami game really it hurt it hurt the Patriots really really badly Okay. Well, we'll get into uh, the wild card weekend here in just a moment, but we would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the San Francisco at Seattle game. Sunday night football, week 17, the final game of the season. That was fantastic. The 49ers won 26-21. to Seattle had the ball last, and they took it all the way down to the inch yard line. Uh, Wilson passed to Hollister for a four-yard gain, and it was literally like a centimeter away from 
from being a touchdown and the Seahawks winning the division and um, the playoff matchups for the NFC would have been completely different. Instead, San Fran wins and they get the number one seed and the bye. They wouldn't have gotten that because it would have been Seattle had Seattle won. So there was just so much on the line in that game. And just the, the high-level quality of play from both teams was fantastic in both games that San Fran and Seattle played this year that I was really hoping that we got a rematch of the San Fran-Seattle game this round. But Minnesota upset the Saints which ruined that. So now Seattle goes to Green Bay, Minnesota goes to San Francisco, whereas if the Saints won, the Saints would have gone to Green Bay and we would have gotten Seattle at San Fran part three. But maybe we can get it in the championship round. That'll be awesome. Okay, so let's move right into the wild card round. Um, We'll get the tough stuff out of the way first, Johnny. Oh, the the Patriots-Titans game? Want Mm -hmm. to do that? The... So Derrick Henry was just the unstoppable force that he has been all season. And I thought that the game really turned when they had first and goal. Patriots had first and goal from the one-yard line. And they were up 10-3 to with about four minutes left in the second quarter. And they ran the ball three straight times, and they just they lost two yards on the first play, then they didn't gain any, and then they didn't gain any. So they got stuffed, and they end up having to uh, kick kick a field goal, and they go up 13-3. to they, Tennessee clearly gained momentum off that. You saw how fired up Mike Vrabel was on the sidelines after that stop for the team, and the offense gets the ball, drives right down, and they score. And it's Patriots were down 14 to 13 at halftime. So I'm sorry. So the Patriots would have gone up 17 to 17 to seven. Instead, it was 13 to seven. And like I said, Titans go on score, making it 14-13 at halftime. And the Patriots just couldn't do anything in the second half. And it, you know. Edelman had the critical drop in the fourth quarter with about five minutes, a little under five minutes to go. Would have been first down midfield, and they they were down 14-13 at the time, and all they needed was a field goal to go ahead. And how can you blame Edelman for dropping a ball? But it has been a problem this year because he led the league in drops. And then... It gets to fourth down, and there's like under three minutes to go, and Belichick punts the ball, which I thought was a poor decision because you didn't want to give the ball back to the Titans. I just the, the defense was not stopping them. The defense was not stopping Derrick Henry all fucking day long. He was running. Then the offensive line for the Titans was getting a one- or two-yard push at the line of scrimmage all day. So, and then you, so they get that push, giving Henry the head start, and Henry's just getting to plow ahead for gains of 8 to 10 yards at a, at a, at a clip just every single time. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand what Belichick was thinking, punting the ball back to them in a game, in a situation where they're running out of opportunities to stop the clock. Yet They had to go for it. But instead, they kick it to him. And, of course, you know, third down comes and Tannehill passes to the Harvard tight end, the third-string tight end, Ferkser, and time, time runs out on the Patriots. And the season's over, and the dynasties might be over, and Brady could be gone, and we'll see. How do you feel about the possibility of the 
Brady legacy in New England ending with a pick six. Oh, that won't. That's never going to. That's. That's never going to be remembered for anything. It's. Like, really? <laughs> really? You're gonna, Just like. Is, that, is anyone going to remember that? Well, I mean, the pot. No. He could have ended, you know, with a Super Bowl championship last year. Yeah, but he's not done playing. He wants to play another two or three more years. He's said that all along, forever, so he's going to be playing next year. Do you think he goes to the Chargers? If I, if I had to place a wager right now on which team I would say the Chargers, yes. I, I, I think Belichick's done with him. I think Belichick's ready to move on. Um, we all know Belichick's cold-hearted. He's He moves on when he's ready, and I feel like he's been ready, and he doesn't want to deal with it anymore. And it doesn't help that the offense... The pieces that Brady had on offense had were not no good. I mean, you put any other quarterback basically in w- with that offense, and they're a four or five win team. Injured line too. Injured offensive line. You know, losing Gronkowski, losing two fullbacks. I don't know. You know, using had they had to use a linebacker at fullback. Uh, Sony Michelle, your first round running back. A little bit of a bust. Oh God, that guy. I think he is not good. He is not good. I think he. Has, they said. He has a 37% conversion rate on the one-yard-to-go situations. That's terrible. You're, that's terrible as a running back. As a first-round running back, he looks more like a fifth-round running back or an undrafted running back than he does a first-round running back. So, And then don't even get me started on how he doesn't. He can't catch the ball, and they never throw to him. So it just... The offense is just not good. And then you see guys, we get into the receivers, and DK Nikhil, Nikhil Harry looks like a uh, a baby giraffe out there, all crooked and gangly and not knowing which routes to run and not being able to get separation. And then when he does get the ball, he's falling all over himself because he's a baby giraffe. And then you see the other teams, like the Niners have Debo Samuel, and the Seahawks have DK Metcalf, who I thought couldn't run routes, right? He couldn't mm-hmm. run a route. Well, he looked to run pretty good routes on Sunday against the Eagles when it mattered. Seven catches for 160 yards and a touchdown, including the game-stealing catch on third down in they double coverage. Um, and then the Titans have A.J. Brown. So there's a lot of good rookie receivers out there that were taking after the Patriots took Nikhil Harry. And... Maybe he's good. I don't know if he's a bust yet. Deontay Johnson? Maybe maybe he will be good down the road, but it certainly doesn't fit right now. And the problem with the Patriots' offense, I think it, it's a problem because it's too complex. The, uh, the complexity, it's like, um, I don't know. It's like taking an advanced class at MIT. It's like Stephen Hawkins teaching... Trying to teach a class to kindergartens, you know, kindergartners. It's just he's too advanced mm-hmm. for these guys, and Brady and McDaniel's are too advanced for these guys. And even guys that come over, like we Sanu, we traded a second round pick to bring in a guy like Sanu, and he's fucking awful. He's the worst. The guy can't catch. He doesn't know where he is on the field. He doesn't block when he's needed to in crucial downs. He don't. I mean, you get me started on the level of frustration of this, this team and the offense, but. It, Part of it is Brady, too. So you blame Belichick because he doesn't have the pieces for Brady offensively. And I do I do 
have blame for Belichick, but it's also Brady not willing to work with new receivers, young receivers, only wanting to work with guys he's known for a long time, like Julian Edelman or like Antonio Brown, a star-type receiver. And so his not being flexible or able to work with young guys and help get them on the same page, when you look around the league and guys like Russell Wilson, in crucial moments, have faith in their rookie receivers. That's frustrating to me. So I just think that maybe it is time... For Brady to move on. And that, that, that pains me to say it. And I feel like that, but I feel like that's the odds on favorite now. Because clearly he wants to play next year and beyond. So, and I don't think that, and he said he's not giving the Patriots a hometown discount this time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you think Belichick's going to pay top dollar for a quarterback he doesn't really want in the first place? No, I think he's going to move on to the next thing. And I think that means Brady is too. And maybe it's for the best because. You're going to need new offensive weapons next year because Edelman's not getting any younger. He's going to be 35 next year. So you're going to need new offensive weapons next year. And is Brady and McDaniels, if McDaniels doesn't go to Cleveland as the new head coach, are they going to want to put in the time and effort and the work and be patient with new guys? Probably not. So mm-hmm. how is it going to look any different than it did this year? And we all know it was a big problem this year. So, All right. The window's closing. All right, moving on to the next game of the weekend. The Buffalo Bills at the Houston Texans. The Bills fall 19-22. to How about this game? This was brutal to watch. Neither team wanted to win. <laughs> they were just like, like, I don't want it, I don't want it. Josh Allen was in full-blown panic mode. The Bills come out, storm out of the gates. They they get a 16-0 lead going to the third quarter. They have a 16-0 lead, and, you know, Bill O'Brien is doing everything he can to lose the game for the Texans. And then, you know, when the moment comes for the Bills to take over the fourth quarter and win their first playoff game since 1995, Josh Allen and the Bills are like, "Uh, we're going to get tight a little bit. And Watson comes back. And and then just watching the last few minutes of that game and overtime, and it it was a tough watch because it was... Bad decisions, like when the Texans were up 19-16 to 16 towards the end of the fourth quarter, and you know, they could have put, put the game away with a field goal in field goal range, and Bill O'Brien says, nah, we're going to go for it. And they go for it, and they don't get it, leaving the Bills in good field position. They go down, they tie it, send the game to overtime. And then the Bills get the ball first, and then they, they drive down the field and then stall with a horrible call. There was a horrible call on a crackback block that wasn't really a crackback block. Yeah, but if you if you even push towards your own end zone, they're calling that. I don't like the call. I thought it was a terrible call. The guy ha- the guy was looking at him. He was looking. It's so the, the Bills defender came, like he was past him, and then he turns around, and he waited until the defender turned around, looked at him, and then he blocked him. And it was a first down for Buffalo in Houston's territory, and the ref called it, and it was costly because the, Bill, the Bills ended up having to punt, and then, of course, the Texans get the ball back, and they end up going down and scoring uh, the game-winning kick. Uh, but there was just so many mistakes in that game as far as, like, the timeouts go. You know, just bad play calls. And, and it was really tough to watch these teams that have a history of having a difficult time winning important games. It was comical. And Josh Allen, wow, he's a problem. <laughs> he was in full-blown panic mode. You just watched him, and you'd be like, what is this guy doing? 
you know, on the drive where it was for the Bills to tie it, to send it into overtime, on first down, Allen ran to the right. And then there was still plenty of time, but they were low on timeouts. Like, there was no timeouts or one timeout. And he's getting tackled, and he just flips the ball back. Like, there's nobody there. He just decides to <laughs> lateral the ball back. And thankfully, one of the Bills' linemen knocks it, up, out, it of out of bounds. Yeah. But it's like, what are you doing, man? And then every throw was just so... He had such tight butthole syndrome that every <laughs> throw was like... It's like, Bills, just kick the freaking ball. When you when they got in the field goal range, you're like, just kick it and tie it up and go into overtime. They kept trying to, like, scratch another play out, scratch another play out. And you're like, he's going to take a sack or he's going to throw an interception or they're going to fumble it. They're going to do something. Just kick the freaking field goal. Because <laughs> Hauschka was money. And finally, when they did, you know, he tied it. But then they found a way to lose it in overtime. But it was entertaining, to say the least, because it was just like... A study and how not to win playoff games. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next, we have the Saints Vikings game. The Vikings pulling up. You call this an upset, right? Oh, big time. Yeah. They were seven and a half point underdogs. And yeah. The Vikings go in and they pull out an overtime victory 26 to 20. Questionable call at the end, but the Saints came out lackluster from the get go. I think that the Saints thought that the Vikings were going to roll over, but. We've talked about it on the show all year, at least I have. I've told you, the Vikings have been a team to reckon with all year long. They've been a, t- a tough team, and there's something a little special there. And I know Cousins isn't go- it hasn't been good in prime time or against good teams, but in that 1 o'clock slot, like the Cincinnati Bengals of past years, 1 o'clock slot, that's Cousins' time. Uh, the Vikings and Cousins are, are good, and I like they have some special karma on the team this year. They've had some nice wins, and... I just, I think they've been undervalued as a team this year. Now the road is is near is near impossible for them to take it all the way to the Super Bowl. So you know, did I place a Super Bowl prop bet on them? No, I, I didn't. Just because the road is is almost impossible. It's gonna be like a 2007 Giants type road that they're gonna have to take, winning, you know, three wild three games on the road to get to the Super Bowl, which they they could do, but you you don't want to bet on something like, like that. Like some team of destiny stuff, it, right? There. Team of destiny, exactly. Um, but we'll see where they go from here. But like I said, the Saints they looked uninspired. Uh, Drew Brees and the Saints once again on, for the fourth time in a row, fourth year in a row, they lose on the last play of a playoff game. That's never happened before. Crazy. Like I just don't know what the Saints' problem is. They they that at home they've been a freaking machine. They're they're a machine in that dome offensively. I think they 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 scored the fourth most points all time in the month of December this year for for an offense. So they they were humming coming into this game. All, all things clicking with Michael Thomas, Kamara, even Taysom Hill look good. And the Vikings were more they were the more physical team. They were. They took it to him. Dalvin Cook was really good, and Cousins was really good when he needed to be. Now, was that, that call at the end of the game, the, was it um, an arm bar by Kyle Rudolph to kind of hold off the defender, Williams, to score that last touchdown? It was clearly te- te- a push. Technically, yes, but are the refs ever going to call that in a playoff game? You don't usually see that. You don't. You don't. You're not. You're not usually going to get that call. So was it definitely wasn't anywhere near egregious as the call was, the non-call was for the Saints last year. No, no, of course not. But you know, it could have been called. But 
You're not going to see an offensive pass interference called like that in the playoffs to win a game. I think the NFL not at least taking the time to look at it Yeah, um, was a bad look. No, I agree. I think they owe the fans in New Orleans. Saints got to be better, man. They, get, they, they do. Be better. They do. They do. But just, you know, they owed them 45 seconds of reviewing okay a fish you know what fair i mean enough. fair enough yeah after everything that's happened but you know i thought the saints were 13 and 3 and this was they they had a road where they could have gone they're gonna beat this minnesota team gone to green bay which i think has been an overvalued team most of the year taken down green bay and then gone to the super bowl and i think a lot of people thought they were super bowl bound this year but there's just something every year that goes awry with that team. Gotta love the resurgence of the blue dat uh, memes going around. I haven't seen it, but yeah, no. There's... Get those every year. It's you know. blue dat again. <laughs> All right, uh, and then finally, the Seahawks and the Eagles. The Seahawks win seventeen to nine. This was the probably the boringest watch of the weekend i thought mm-hmm. um, especially when wentz went down with the injury and that hit on wentz that gave him the concussion to knock him out in the first quarter eight plays into the game by Clowney. that was a fucking dirty play man yeah it was a dirty play he was going wasn't down flagged. he was going down and from behind Clowney dove at him and he dipped his head down to spear wentz in the back of the helmet giving them con- him the concussion and I just feel like Clowney is not catching enough heat for that. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get a flag, obviously. But that was obviously a game-changing play. Because you take the Eagles' best player, the starting quarterback out, who's been playing so well over the last month, and you put uh, McCown in, who's almost older than I am, right? Or same age, maybe. But mm-hmm. he's been around forever. And he, he did the best he could trying to keep the team in the game, kicking field goals. But... In the end, it was the DK Metcalf abusing that brutal Eagles secondary. Um, they've always been victimized by the deep ball. You know, it's just their their thing is. I, I it's just part of the way they they play defense. They're willing to give up the deep ball like that, and uh, DK Metcalf took advantage, scoring a late touchdown. And like I said earlier, he had the. Huge grab on third and ten late in the game for the Seahawks. They they could have just ran the ball and given the punted back to the Eagles and given them one last desperation shot uh, on offense. But they decided to throw it up to DK Metcalf in double coverage on third and ten, and he went up and got it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that just shows enormous trust in your rookie receiver to get the play. You know, go for it. You're on the road trying to win a playoff game. Go for it, and they did. Yeah. So, yeah, but now we get we move on to next week, and we're going to get some nice matchups. We're going to get to see Russell Wilson against Aaron Rodgers, which I'm really excited for. I think that that'll be good. In the AFC, we're going to get to see Watson against Mahomes, which should be good, but can Watson get help from his coach and the rest of the team? And then can Henry and the Tennessee run game do anything at the Ravens? And then the other game, first game of the weekend, actually, is going to be the Vikings uh, looking to carry the momentum into San Francisco and take out Jimmy G. So we got probably the best weekend of high-end, high-level football coming up for divisional round. This is always, I think, the best weekend 
of football games, and I'm really excited for divisional playoffs. Awesome. Well, I'm looking at the lines here, and we got some big lines here in these games. Uh, the Vikings um, are going to be getting seven points in this game. This is a toughie for me because, first of all, I'll say this. Um, the way that, the in general, you know, nothing is ever 100% in gambling, but in general, the trend goes wild card round, take the unders, divisional round, take the over, championship game round, take the under. Super Bowl go over. So it kind of it flip-flops every year. So we saw a lot of the unders come in for wild card weekend. Now I think we're going to get a weekend of overs. So if you're betting, like feel 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 good, you know, putting money on all the overs and you'll likely get 3 out of 4, maybe all 4. Uh that's just gen- been the general trend over the years. Um I just know because I know. <laughs> All right, now to the games. We saw a lot of underdogs cover Wild Card Weekend for the third year in a row. A lot of road dogs cover. Um, generally, divisional round, the home favorites cover. So that's going to lead me to... I, I think I'm going to... As much as I like the Vikings and their story and the there's something there with that team, I think I'm going to roll with the Niners getting some rest, coming out fast and strong in this game ready to go. I, I, I think I'm going to go with the Niners here, but I don't think it's a strong bet. I, I definitely don't. Um, and I may change it to the Vikings last minute, but right now I'm leaning Niners minus seven. Okay. And then Baltimore is minus eight and a half against the Titans. Another tricky one, but you know I think this one comes down to can the Titans' offensive line and Derrick Henry continue to bu- play bully ball and control the ball, keep it away, keep the ball away from Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' offense, and bully the Ravens' defense and wear them down as the game goes on? Which I think, yeah, the answer to that question is is yes. I think that they can do that. But then the next question to follow that up is: You're going to need Tannehill more so in this game than the game against the Patriots to make more plays down the field and be better than he was. So can we trust Tannehill on the road in the divisional playoffs at the Ravens? And I'm leaning no on that one. Now, can they keep it within eight and a half? Uh, I think I'm going to go Ravens here just because, you know, these games can be tough. And, you know, after what you just saw, it's t- you, you want to bet on the wildcard teams because they just looked good on the road winning games and you think that they can carry the momentum. But like the Chargers last year, when they beat went into Baltimore and won, everyone was taking them against the Patriots the next week because of what they saw. So it's kind of like a recency bias thing. You saw what you just saw and you're like, oh, they can... They can take Henry in the running game to Baltimore and take care of it and stay within eight and a half. But that's generally not what happens. What happens is the team with the the two weeks to prepare and the rest usually pulls it out. So Niners minus seven, Ravens minus eight and a half. Okay. In the case of the ever escalating point lines, the Chiefs are minus nine and a half against the Texans. I feel good about that one. Chiefs minus nine and a half. Hammer it? Hammer it. Okay. Yeah. I mean... Bill O'Brien, as good as Watson is, and he is great, I think that this might be the Chiefs' time. I put some money on them to win the Super Bowl. And uh, Bill O'Brien on the road in the playoffs, I mean, come on. This guy is just, he's going to find ways to screw it up. And the Texans in the playoffs are just, 
it's tough to watch sometimes. And the Chiefs, Andy Reid and his teams with uh, on the on bye weeks, they're no they're notoriously cover. You know, over the years, Andy like Andy Reid off his teams off of bye weeks, going back to Philadelphia and with the Chiefs, his teams off of bye weeks are almost the surest lock there is in gambling for football. So you give Andy Reid an extra week to prepare, that's that's gold. So yeah, take the Chiefs, hammer it home, bet your house. That's a house <laughs> bet. Okay. <laughs> and then finally, Green Bay is minus four against the Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers at home. Yeah, no. Um, they're the better team. They are the better team. Russell Wilson's got that magic. He though. has that magic, right. And so even if they lose, it's going to be close, I think. Uh, this might be the one case where I take the Seahawks. Just because I think it'll be close. But maybe they, maybe the Packers win 20-13 to 13 or... 24, 24 to 17. Something like that. No. I'm going to go Seahawks. I'll, I'll take the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Okay. This is my one underdog. All right. Uh, so, looking forward, if we had to predict what our conference championship is going to be, what are we previewing next week, Johnny? Uh, Chiefs Ravens. Chiefs Ravens. That seems like it's been fait accompli for, week, for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And then San Francisco and does Russell Wilson have the magic to pull it out in Lambeau? Yeah, that it's a tough one. I mean, my silence speaks to the toughness that that this game is is to call. Um, can they win it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's get San Fran Seattle part three. Yes, let's do that. Those are fun games, and I'd like to see them see them play one more time. Okay, for all the models. awesome. Well, you heard it here first. The Richard Sherman revenge game. <laughs> How many of those is he going to get this year? Well, this would be three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we finish up here today, I want to get into kind of just a little bit of a, a, a review of the decade, uh, Johnny. And so I asked you to think think of a couple all-decade things in different categories. We had an all-decade sports hero the sports villain, uh, your all-decade team, the game of the decade, and the story of the decade. Uh, so, okay. John, Johnny, you want to start with your hero? Brady. That's pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, got the greatest quarterback of all time, who who has two Hall of So if you separate 2000 and 2009 and 2010 to 2019, in the two separate quarterback careers, you have two separate Hall of Fame quarterback careers. I mean, there's not many players you can say that about. Yeah, absolutely. But so, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's Brady, and I don't think... Uh, maybe it's close because of LeBron James, but I don't know who else is is close after that. Yep. Maybe Steph Curry, but I don't think that's all that close. Well, my sports hero of the decade, unsurprisingly, is going to be Sidney Crosby, uh, back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, captain of those teams. We are also, in 2009, fresh off of a, uh, a Stanley Cup. We're looking at two Conn Smythes, two Rocket Richard trophies, Two Ted Lindsay's, a Hart, and an Art Ross in this decade. 
can't say enough good things about him. A- and also the story of him coming back from all of those concussions and, um, you know, coming back strong and, and, and continuing to lead the team when there was honestly a time there, what was it, 2013, 14, when he was dealing with that, where I was very concerned if Sidney Crosby was going to come back or if he was going to be the same when he came back. You know, he missed almost a year and a half. Um, so, so are they going to beat Vegas tonight? That's what I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> don't well, bet on them, you say. You say, don't bet on them. They're well on their way. So uh, They've been playing so well lately. I was looking at the Penguins, and they won, like, they only lost three games in December. We have something crazy, like over 130 man games lost, though. But we digress. Right, but there's injuries. So you're saying just don't bet on them tonight? I, w- I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You look I'm at the play, Penguins are a good team. They're a playoff team. And they're getting plus money at Vegas. And is Flurry playing? <sighs> if if Flurry's playing, I say stay away. If Flurry's not playing, then then play him. Yeah, no, I think he is. Yeah, pretty sure he is. All right. Well, let's move on. To, uh, John, who's your villain of the decade? Uh, LeBron James. Oh. Well, he, he just. He's affected the Celtics in so many ways. So many ways. Starting in the early 2000s with the, you know, when he was with the Heat. And then even like recently when they had a chance to go to the finals two years ago, you know, the Celtics had a lead in in the fourth quarter of game seven. And LeBron James. It's just always freaking LeBron James has been in the way of the Celtics all decade long. And it's just, it's almost like they had no chance. They they almost didn't have a chance because of freaking Le- LeBron James. Just, he's always in the way. He's my villain. He won't get out of the way. Get out of the way, LeBron James. And now <laughs> he's finally out of the way. And so let's go. But it could be Kyrie Irving. He almost single hand But he only ru- He was a villain for a year. Single-handedly ruining the Celtics. But, no, I'd say the whole decade... Gotta LeBron. be LeBron. Alright, so, so I suppose under that uh, way of thinking, my villain of the decade would be the New England Patriots. But uh, Yeah, no, I get that. As a Steelers <laughs> fan, I get that. I'm actually, I do. They've been in your way. I'm actually going to go with... Uh, Vontez Perfect oh, is my villain of the decade. That's a good one. He was uh, fined three times on but what three did he separate cost plays. Le'Veon Bell. Okay, good Anto- point. And, good point. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. and Big Ben in the same game. And then he celebrated the injury. You remember that? Yeah. And then he got, what was it, uh, fined three times on three separate plays. Yes, okay. In, in a game Brown against Big Ben. Playoffs, Big ben. He, then, yeah. he, then he couldn't play in the next game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then the uh, attempted murder of Antonio Brown, yeah. which I blame for Yeah, fuck that guy. what we've seen happen to Antonio Brown. He's never <laughs> oh, been the same no. since, I think. CTE, yeah, that frontal lobe brain damage. Fontes Perfect cost us, and yeah. not just me as a Steelers fan, us as football fans, Yeah, Antonio Brown. I know. No, I agree. He should be executed. Something. <laughs> Put down. Ban from the NFL you, is not enough. Yeah, well, do you think they're going to let him come back? How do you let I this mean, guy come back? I mean, is he going to be good enough to come back? I mean, at some point, the skills just aren't there. And I feel like he's been, you know, his his skills have been diminishing rapidly. He's not, 
he's not the new age type linebacker. He's more of the old school linebacker where he's built more to stop the run. But in this past happy days of the NFL, he's not get really, lost in coverage. He, right, he's not suited to be on the field on all downs. He'll be a, a third and short. Right, he's goal line line goal line linebacker. Yeah. Um. Honorable mention to Tom Wilson for villains. Johnny, your all-decade team. Like my one team from the decade? Well, I... No, not necessarily, but just like the core, the team. Um, Patriots. Right. That's kind of an easy one for you. That's so easy. Yeah. All right, we'll go ahead and... But the, like the narrow, Warriors, the Blackhawks, or, you know. Yeah, narrow, narrow the, uh, the scope for you a little bit. If you had to pick the one team of the decade... Uh, 2014, when they had Revis and Browner, and, yeah, that 2014 team with the, the Gronk and Edelman and Amendola, you know, they, yeah, that team was loaded. The Patriots team was loaded. Was that the one against Seattle team? Yeah, and that's my game. Uh, all right, well, well, let's not... Okay, go go ahead. You, you've already let the cat out of the bag, so go ahead and talk about the game. Well, that game, that Super Bowl... Um, let's see here. I, I pulled it up on my notes. Super Bowl, was it? Jeez, I, I, I have a tough time with the Roman numerals here. But it was the 2014 Super Bowl. It was Seattle against New England going into the game. The game was a pick The game was in Arizona. And, the you know, there's no score in the first quarter. And then both teams scored 14 points in the second quarter. Uh, Brady to Gronkowski with a late touchdown before halftime to tie it up 14-14. But then in the third quarter, the Seahawks go up 24-14. So you got Brady, who only has three Super Bowl rings at this point. Uh, and he's, you know, trying to prove that you know, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. But he's down 10 points to the Legion of Boom and one of the greatest defenses of all time. Uh, but he ends up storming. Back in the fourth quarter, leading the Patriots to two touchdowns to go ahead 28-24. to And you think that, all right, Brady's got his fourth Super Bowl ring. Patriots hadn't won in a long time. They're back. and But, oh, no, Russell Wilson leads the charge, and there's a crazy catch down the sideline and over Malcolm Butler. And you're like, oh no, this nightmare is happening again. David Tyree, Mario Manningham, and now was it Ricardo Lockett that, that caught that ball? And and it was just like, oh my god, I was on my knees in front of my TV watching this game. <laughs> and, and you knew the Seahawks had first and goal, and it was like, what were they gonna do? And they don't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, who had been a goal, a short yardage specialist all all season long, and in that game he had been really good. And and instead they decide to pass it, and undrafted free agent rookie Malcolm Butler steps in and makes the interception on the goal line to seal the game for the Patriots, and and they in the Super Bowl and they win. And holy cow, what a freaking game! But there was a lot of good games. The Patriots' 28-3 comeback against the Falcons was really good. Uh, the Bruins and Bergeron's comeback against the Maple Leafs down 4-1 to less than five minutes to go in the third period of Game 7 was really good. Um, the Red Sox-Astros games in 2018 
uh, David Ortiz's home run against the Tigers in the championship series with the police officer there and the W and the bullpen with the grand Ortiz with the grand slam. They were down four to one in the eighth inning, and Ortiz hits a grand slam. They go on to the World Series and win. A lot of good games to choose from, but 2014 Super Bowl is mine. All right. Um, so we'll backtrack a little bit to my all-decade team. I was already going with the homer pick with Sidney Crosby, uh, so I, I had to uh, go with my conscience on this one and pick the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, those three-time Stanley Cup championship teams, the Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, um, core teams, President's Trophy winners, uh, Patrick Kane won the heart and the Art Ross in that time. Uh, Artemi Panarin, can't believe they gave that guy away. Uh, rookie of the year in 2016, Keith had two Norrises. Uh, Crawford even had uh, two Jennings trophies. Um, in that time, they went in the in, on the decade. There are 437, 255, and 94. Um, Wait, can I just tell you that the Patriots record was in the 2010s? <clears throat> Please do. Including playoffs 141 and 31 for a 775 <laughs> win percentage. They went to five Super Bowls, winning three of them. And that's the best winning percentage for any sports decade, for any sport in any decade, for any team. Yeah. So, John, I. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. Uh, I knew that you were going to do the Patriots. And I wasn't going to do them twice. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, my game of the decade, I was going to go with the game three of the 2018 World Series. The 18-inning uh, stunner. Seven hours and 20 minutes of baseball. Um, yeah, that was a tough one. But uh, while I was sitting here thinking about it, um, the Winter Olympics in 2014, I got up at like... Five in the morning and came over to your house. Oh, that's a rare find. And that's a good one. You and I, at the top of our lungs, at seven in the morning on my birthday, screaming as TJ Oshi keeps going up and draining uh, shootout goals. Yeah. Yep. Just that was more fun than I expected to have that time in the morning. <laughs> what a <laughs> What a uh, thrilling game that was for me, and uh, and an honor to share it with you, sir. Yeah, that was good. Okay, and finally, John, the story of the decade. Yeah, so... You know, I was going to do, like, maybe, like, Deflategate or something, but I don't... I fucked Deflategate. I think it's so stupid. And it was overblown at the time, and still talked about too much now. It was the merits and what it actually means are kind of nonsense and then good old netflix reminded me of the story of the decade today when i saw the preview for the aaron hernandez oh and i was like oh yes that is the story of the decade aaron fucking hernandez the murdering tight end from the patriots who murdered his soon-to-be brother-in-law after murdering two other people the season before. He played a season after murdering two people. Like, the guy was fucking nuts. 
And the players, you hear them talk about him, like Welker, you know, and some of the old ex-players, they talked about him like he was just a little off. So I'm, I'm excited to see this documentary that comes out next Wednesday on Netflix because it has a lot of the stuff that we didn't see or know at the time and the background from him and commentary from some of the old expatriates or current patriots that played with him. And it's just going to be good to get a perspective. Oh, Urban Meyer and a lot of the Tim Tebow and a lot of the Florida guys are going to be in it, the guys who played with them at college. And just to see what went on inside of that raging lunatic's mind because on the field, he was unbelievable. When they had Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez at tight end. Double barrel shotguns. Oh, my God. It was, it was a whole new way to play offense, and they were incredible. But they didn't get a Super Bowl because Aaron Hernandez, they got to the Super Bowl and lost in 2011 to the Giants. Um, but they didn't get a Super Bowl with Aaron Hernandez, unfortunately. Um, but in the end, then he goes on and murders, murders him. Like, people, what are you doing, man? Like... What are you doing? You're an NFL player. Like, it doesn't get better than that, playing for the best team. Like, what are you doing? I, blows my mind. And, and he, you know, he played at Florida. Fucking, when they were in the height of their run, too. So, yeah, Aaron Hernandez is my story of the decade. Okay. My story of the decade is uh, started with the fall, but then the subsequent rise of Tiger Woods. Began the decade a broken man. You know, he had the car accident, his wife left him. Drug abuse. Drug abuse, total piece of shit, you know. Porn stars. Yeah, going, uh, went to rehab, all of the stuff with his back over the years, getting arrested in 2017, uh, being on painkillers and falling asleep on the road in his car. And then coming back and winning a Masters and, you know, getting to 82... PGA Tour wins. Um, so, Tiger Woods, comeback story of the decade. All right. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us for this week. You guys enjoy the divisional round this weekend, and uh, we'll be back to talk about it next week. Happy betting, John. Thanks. I am not betting big. Not like my, my mom listened to this, and she was, like, scared, so stop it. <laughs> Yeah, just 10 bucks here or there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Take it easy. All right. See ya. But wait, there's more. Hang on to your seat, baby, because this one's a screamer. All right. Just want to take a quick minute and talk about the NCAA championship coming up between North Dakota State and James Madison. Nah, just kidding. But that's, that's Saturday. That's the... Uh, FCS National Championship game that's uh, going to be played Saturday, but I know that's not the game you want to talk about. So let's talk about the LSU and Clemson game. I think this is one of the most anticipated, if not the most anticipated, college football game in history. This is the game I think most of us were all hoping to get, unless you're a Buckeyes fan. Um, you know, there's been some good championship games in the past. Clemson, Alabama, when Deshaun Watson, Hunter Renfro led the touchdown, uh, late touchdown to beat the dynamic Alabama team. Um, but this game, I think, has all the ingredients you need for a special game. Uh, first of all, the line is LSU minus five and a half. And the total on the game is currently at 69 uh, I personally 
will be betting on. I would not usually recommend this, uh, but I have um, a free wager on DraftKings. They match your first bet, so I am going to put that money on LSU on the money line, which 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 is high. Uh, let's see here. Um, the money line for the LSU game is LSU minus 200. So I'm just going to throw my free wager, all the money on LSU. Um, but having to pick a, a line on the point spread, I would take LSU minus... Uh, I don't know if I would take five and a half. I, I might take Clemson getting the points, to be honest with you. I just think... It's going to be a good game, but I think LSU is going to win just because the powerhouse team that they are. They've beaten six top ten teams this season, and, you know, first team to do that in maybe forever, I think, uh, if not a long, long time. It's at least the 40s in college football. So, and Joe Burrow is such a stud, but Clemson's good too. They've won 25 games in a row. They're undefeated for a reason. Uh, their schedule has been a lot lighter, so we don't know for sure just how good Clemson is but I think we can say that they're they're they're, pr they're pretty damn good we just don't know if they're on the level of LSU um and the over under like I said is 69 um it's a high over under but tough 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 to take the under in a game like that in a game you know that Burrow and Lawrence should have success Lots of it in this game. Now, as far as player props go, there's a lot of guys projected to score touchdowns. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Travis Etienne, the running back for Clemson, both minus 500 to score touchdowns. Uh, I think that's because they're locks to score touchdowns, but not a good bet. Uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson all have really good odds to score touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence is minus 143 to run one in. Burrow is plus 125 to run one in. So I, you're going to see a lot of points, So and that's what you want in an exciting championship game. And I, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm excited for this game. Uh, LSU is kind of my adopted college team for this year. And, you know, when they beat Alabama, I was all in on LSU. But it's going to be a fun game. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to wrapping it up next Tuesday when we do the podcast the following day. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, if I had to take a wager, like I said, I think I think you know, I think you know if I wasn't taking LSU on the money line, which I am, and you don't want to lay minus two hundred Jews, which is never really a smart thing to do unless you have like a free wager or you know something already already in place. If you have to take a side. I think I might go Clemson plus five and a half just because that's a lot of points. And Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, they're resilient. And I think that they'll hang in there. And I think it's going to be a close game. So I might go Clemson minus five and a half. And, you know, 69 is a lot of points. But I, just, I think you're going to get an exciting game and a lot of points. So I'd go over as well. Um, but anyway, here's to a great national championship. Um, let's see. Let's go Tigers. Go Joe Burrow. Um, He's going to be on the Cincinnati Bengals next year, so hopefully he can have a great coming out uh, last game, college college game, and then we'll get to enjoy Trevor Lawrence one more year at Clemson. Uh, but this should be fun. So uh, go Tigers, and that's my little wrap-up uh, preview of the national championship game. Thank you very much.